Well, Psalm 23, we're exploring how this psalm addresses some of the major problems we face in life. And this psalm begins this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. We're only going to look at four words this morning. It's those four words. He restores my soul. Because God restores our souls. God is in the business of restoring souls. And you know, there are many things that actually deplete our souls. Mistakes we make in life, there are losses, there are disappointments. There's tiredness, discouragement. But today I want to look at three particular things that can deplete our souls. And I want to look at how, what God does to restore our depleted soul. And these three things are grief, guilt and grudges. But we're first going to look at guilt. Nothing depletes a soul faster than guilt. In Psalm 38, <clears throat> verses 4 and 6, it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. All day long I go about mourning. You can feel the heart of the psalmist who wrote this. And then in um, Proverbs 20, verse 27, it says, The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. We all have reasons to feel guilty. We all make mistakes. And consequently, we carry the guilt of those mistakes in our lives. And we don't seem to be able to get away from it. So how do we deal with our guilt? Well, there are a number of ways. Firstly, we can deny it. Pretend it doesn't exist. We can try to bury the past, to forget it, to, to ignore it. The trouble with this method is that the past seems to have a habit of resurrecting itself. Sometimes, no matter how hard we try to forget, we keep remembering it. Secondly, we can compromise our sense of guilt by lowering our standards. It's like we, when we minimise or, or rationalise our guilt by saying, ha, look, everybody else does it. It's got to be okay, everyone's doing it. But the reality is, everybody isn't doing it. Even if they did, justifying it by somebody else's behaviour doesn't make it right. It actually doesn't relieve the guilt. It just makes us feel less... Sorry? Makes us feel less better. Did I write that? It just makes us... <laughs> it just sort of swages the guilt for a little while. Amazing things you read sometimes. Thirdly, we can blame other people. And excuse ourselves. But underneath, we know we've done wrong. We still actually feel guilty. And lastly, we can deal with guilt by punishing ourselves. 
you know, how it goes inside. We know that somebody has to pay for the wrong in our life. Subconsciously, we set ourselves up to pay for our own sin. You know, guilt in this way can cause us to be sick or depressed or to, or to fail because we feel we deserve it. Bottom line is none of these things work. There is only one solution to our guilt. We have to give it to God because he is the only one who can remove it. In Romans uh, 3, it says all of us have sinned, yet God declares us, what's it say? Not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ who in mercy freely takes away our sins. The most basic truth of Christianity is that Jesus has already paid for our sins. Everything we've ever done wrong has already been paid for. Everything we've already committed, the stuff we're going to do later, all of the sins, mistakes, regrets in our future, they've already been paid for. God didn't minimise our sins. He actually paid for them. And we just need to ask God to forgive us and accept what Jesus did for us on the cross where he paid for all our sins. Just accept it. That's how our guilt will be removed. There's no other way. Easier said than done. Maybe you've asked God to forgive you many times and you still feel guilty. Well, that means that you don't understand how God forgives. How God's forgiveness is immediate, it's free, it's complete, it's unconditional. And it's how it wipes out the guilt the very first time you ask. You see, if you keep asking God to forgive something you've already asked him, you're saying that you actually don't believe he forgave you the first time. And sadly, that's sin. If you feel guilty about a sin you've already confessed to God and still feel guilty about it, that guilt, let me tell you, is not from God. It's from the devil. Because he wants us to feel bad, to continue to feel guilty, to continue to feel uptight. So how does God forgive us? It says in Colossians 2, which we read, he has forgiven all all your sins he has utterly wiped out is that Colossians? yeah he has utterly wiped out the evidence of broken commandments which always hung over our hearts and completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross all our sins sorry I think I need to click that through all our sins wiped out The evidence is wiped out, completely annulled. When God forgives, he forgives completely. It's like he takes our sins, throws them in the deepest part of the ocean and puts up a no fishing sign and he says, forget it. Any of you pay any bills? Oh, good. I'm sure the people you owe money to are very pleased about that. 
But when you pay a bill, do you still worry about it? No, of course not. It's no longer a problem because it's paid. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. I've paid for your sins. So what are you worried about? If God forgets confess sin, shouldn't we as well? And if you don't really feel forgiven, every time something goes wrong in your life, you're going to think, God's getting even with me. A lot of people think that way. God's getting even with me. God's punishing me. Well, let me tell you, he's not. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's not going to get even with you because all your punishment was taken by Jesus on the cross. He paid the penalty so we wouldn't have to. Jesus was nailed to the cross so we can stop nailing ourselves to the cross. So let God remove your guilt. And when you are no longer ruminating about your guilt, it's amazing how refreshed you feel. This is God restoring your soul. Now the second area that God deals with to restore our soul is grief. Feelings of grief happen for many reasons. Losing someone we love can cause intense grief. Painful experiences of hurt and rejection in the past can continue to cause grief in the present. Sometimes we experience grief over seeing other people hurt. Sometimes we grieve because of our own stupid actions. We do stupid things and make serious mistakes and get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. And we grieve over that. But God knows what we go through. God understands our hurts and our pain. So when you think about it, God experienced, God the Father experienced emotional anguish on the cross as he watched Jesus die and suffer. He understands our grief. He's been there himself. So what do you do when your heart's breaking? What do you do when the grief overwhelms you in life? Well, you can withdraw into a shell, and a lot of people do that. You can isolate yourself from humanity and be completely miserable. Or you can let Jesus restore your soul. David in the Bible is very acquainted with grief. He understood how much it damages our soul when we hurt. <clears throat> Pardon me. In Psalm 31 verse 9, it says, Lord, have mercy because I am in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole being is tired from grief. David in 2 Samuel 12 gives us some tips or ideas on how to handle grief. In this chapter, David committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had her husband killed. And he carried guilt over that but confessed it to God in Psalm 51. By the way, if you're carrying guilt, feeling guilty about something, read Psalm 51 and find restoration. But David felt grief over his actions. From that illicit union with Bathsheba, Bathsheba bore David a child. But when the baby was born, it was very sick, and David grieved over that. He got on his knees, he prayed, he fasted, and he said, 
God, this baby hasn't done anything wrong. I'm the one who blew it. I'm the one who made the mistake. I'm the one who's affected everyone else's life in this negative way. Please save the baby. He's done nothing wrong. But sadly, the baby died anyway. What did David do with his grief then? Well, he did three things. These are the three things we need to do if God is going to restore our soul and relieve our grief. Firstly, accept what cannot be changed. In the story, David got up from the ground. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back to life? We've all been hurt by people around us. Or have experienced grief and loss caused through painful circumstances. But we can't change what's happened in the past. So the first step to restoring our soul is acceptance. Accept what cannot be changed. It's in the past. It's behind you. I cannot change the hurts I've experienced and neither can you. Secondly, declare it and give it to God. Don't exaggerate it, but declare it and then give it over to God. Pain is inevitable to life. And the Bible says, blessed are those that mourn. Sometimes we take our mourning and hold on to it and it begins to define who we are. The Bible says, give it over to God. Psalm 37 says, commit your way unto the Lord. Instead of focusing on the past and what's behind you, say, God, Help me make it through this situation. What do you want me to do next? Thirdly, focus on what's left, not what's lost. In 2 Samuel 12, 24, it says, David confronted his wife, comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. When you go through a period of grief, remember that God has not finished with your life. It's not finished it's not the end. It hurts. Yes, it hurts. It's painful. But it will not destroy you. And it won't destroy you if you open up your life to Jesus and let him heal your emotions. Isaiah 61 verse 3, it says, To all who mourn, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praises instead of heaviness. You don't have to remain a prisoner of your pain. It's actually a choice. So I've looked at guilt, guilt, we've looked at grief, the third area that God deals with to restore our soul is our grudges. Grudges come from what other people do to us. Fact is, we're going to be hurt in life, aren't we? Life isn't fair. People hurt us. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Either way, it still hurts. How we handle the resentments of life determines whether we are a bitter, bitter person or a better person. And the difference between bitter and better is the letter I. I make the choice. I can choose whether the circumstances will devastate me or direct me onto a new path. 
But what do I do with all the hurts that pile up, all the emotional garbage? What do I do when I still find my stomach tightens and churns when I think of those people? What do I do when I realise I still feel resentful when I think about them? In Job 5 verse 2 it says, To worry yourself to death with resentment would be foolish, senseless thing to do. This is because resentment never hurts the other person. Do you realise that? It only hurts us. The other person is often totally oblivious that we're even thinking about them. But some of us are continuing to allow people from our past to hurt us now, in the present. And that is not right. Our past is past. They cannot hurt us anymore unless we keep rehearsing the hurt of injustice. Holding on to a hurt only hurts ourselves. As it says in Job 18 verse 4, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. So what do you do with the grudges or the resentments of people that have hurt us? Well, in Romans 12.19, it says, I think that's up there, isn't it? Yep. It says, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said he will repay those who deserve it. Because of sin in this world, Life is unfair. And God never said that life was fair. This is reality. Sometimes innocent people suffer and sometimes evil people, evil people prosper. Justice is not always served in this world. This is a sinful, fallen world. But God has said one day he's going to settle the score. One day he's going to call to account and right the wrongs, settle the issues that were left unsettled here. The crimes, the injustice, the prejudice, the racism, the sexism, the rapes, the murders, the hurts, the abuse. God's going to do all that. In the meantime, the Bible says, don't avenge yourself because that will eat you up. Instead, get rid of all bitterness, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God says, get rid of all bitterness. Forgive each other as he forgave you. And if you've been forgiven, God expects you to be forgiving. And you'll never have to forgive another person more than God has already forgiven you. One of the greatest things Martin Luther King said was, bitterness is blindness. If I allow you and your hurt of me to make me bitter it blinds me it blinds me to the truth to all that's good in the world and all I can see is the bad the evil the prejudice, the sin it blinds me to what God wants to do in my life God even wants to take the negative, the harmful, the hurtful and turn it around and use it for good and make me a better person. I can't see that when I'm bitter. We will never be healed from our hurt until we accept God's forgiveness through Jesus and then offer that same forgiveness to other people, to the people who've hurt us. So let's wrap this up.
What is it you still feel guilty about? When I start talking about guilt, what pops into your mind and still haunts you and hurts you? What is it that gnaws at you? All the minimising and rationalising and compromising and blaming yourself hasn't worked. Well, Jesus can remove that guilt and nobody else can. Nobody else can do it like Jesus does. He specialises in new beginnings. Our church is called New Life. And that's for a reason. New beginnings means being born again. Jesus can wipe the slate clean. There is no reason in the world for us to go on with a guilty conscience when he offers us complete forgiveness. So confess and receive his forgiveness. Accept it and stop punishing yourself for the past. How about your grief? Are you still holding on to a grief and looking at what is lost instead of what's left? Are you declaring to God, declaring it to God, and then giving it up to Him in prayer? Are you letting that grief incapacitate you, keeping you in some self imposed prison? Ask God to relieve that grief. And how about your grudges? Are you still allowing people in your past to continue to hurt you in the present? Don't let them hurt you anymore. They cannot hurt you without your permission. The past is the past. It's time you forgave and moved on to all that God has in store for you. Give God your guilt, your grief and your grudges. Jesus promises to restore our soul if we will only let him. In Psalm 42, David prays, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I wonder, do any of you have a downcast soul? David's using a term a shepherd would understand when he talks about being downcast or cast down. Did you know that a sheep, if it falls over on their side and then onto their backs with their legs sticking up in the air, they cannot get out of that position by themselves. And just to help us visualise it, thanks Stuart. <laughs> we could have had a lot of fun with this sheep, but this is the, the whole idea, a sheep on its back, right? Once a sheep is in that position, they actually find it extremely difficult to get back up on their feet again. That's why shearers actually shear a sheep on their backs. They're immobilised. That position is called a cast-down sheep. And it's frightening when a sheep falls down on its side and then onto its back. It kicks and flails in the air. It bleats, it cries out, it knows it is open to attack. Any animal could come and attack it, and it is completely helpless. It's a very serious condition. When sheep lay on their back, you know, gas begins to collect in their stomachs, and it hardens the stomach and cuts off the air passage, and they suffocate in a matter of hours. Not only that, their legs go numb in that position. On a hot day, a sheep in a cast-down position can die in just a matter of hours. They can't do anything about it. They need a shepherd to restore them. And when a shepherd restores a cast-down sheep, it just doesn't happen immediately. It takes time to restore a cast-down sheep. First, a shepherd will come to the sheep laying on its back 
with its legs sticking straight up in the air. And the first thing a shepherd does is lovingly massage the sheep's legs to get some circulation going. Then he begins to talk in a reassuring tone to the sheep. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Then he gently turns the sheep over and puts his hand under the sheep's belly and lifts it up because it still can't stand up on its own. And he holds the sheep there while it begins to get some equilibrium and, and, and feeling back in its legs. And when the shepherd realises and can feel that the sheep can stand on its own feet again, that it's got its equilibrium back, then the shepherd lovingly and gently let the sheep go. What a great picture of what God wants to do for us. When we're on our backs and flailing around with grief, guilt or grudges, and these things are overwhelming us and we think we're going to die in that position. Remember, the Lord is your shepherd. And he lovingly comes with reassuring words and tender hands. And he will pick up his little lamb. And he will set you up straight until you can get on your own feet again. And he will carry you until you've got your stability and equilibrium back. You see, Jesus wants to restore your soul. If you've been cast down for any reason, he's the only one, the only one who can help us get back on our feet again. When he restores our soul, he restores our confidence and our joy and our peace and our strength. You know, we can restore a lot of things. We can restore cars, paintings, sound recordings, buildings, but only God God, only God can restore a soul. Jesus wants to restore your soul. How does he do it? It's Job 11, 13 says, put your heart right, reach out to God, and then face the world again, firm and courageous. And then all your troubles will fade from memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Jesus will re- restore your soul. So let him be your shepherd and your saviour. Amen. Just pray with me. Our Lord, we, we thank you that, that you are our Lord and our shepherd and that you care for us so much that you want to see us whole and healthy. Our Lord, we thank you that you come to us, that you will remove, it, remove our, <clears throat> our guilt, that you'll relieve our grudges, that relieve our grief, and help us to deal with our grudges. Lord, if any of these things are with us now, we pray that you would help us to declare them and give them back to you. And we take on board... And believe your promise to us that you will restore our downcast soul. In Jesus' name, amen.